Hey everybody, Davis here, and welcome to a new segment of the show. Although Rare Petro likes to stay busy with content creation, we do other things too, and sometimes we exhaust that backlog of stuff that we had worked up. So, this is a solution to that problem. When thinking about what I could make to ensure that our regularly scheduled content would still release, I thought of something our CEO, Anthony McDaniels, often says. You can learn a lot if you look at history. At first, I discounted this, but the more and more I thought about it, he's right. I avoid so many mistakes because I can simply sit down and Google how to do something. I can understand the motives behind some political moves because it is unlikely that this is the first time that a disagreement of this sort has existed. So, welcome to a new series, Hydrocarbon History. If you're listening to this as a podcast rather than watching on YouTube, I highly encourage you to check out the video as there will be some visual aspects that we will use to try to enhance your understanding. So, for this first episode, I want to talk about the energy history of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Let's jog it back to the 17th century where much of Europe was fighting for control of the New World or what we know today as the Americas and other nearby territories. France and Spain were fighting for the island of Hispaniola, which was the second largest island right after Cuba. After a while, they got fed up with the fighting, and they decided, might as well just split it right down the middle into two different colonies in 1697. It wasn't until 1804 that Haiti became independent from France, and 1821 that the Dominican Republic became independent from Spain. Basically, they left this colonial land split in place, and they're kind of like Siamese twins, because the islands of the two nations are one landmass, rather than two people of the same biomass. Uh, I'm sorry, that was gross. But that establishes the basic history of their modern existence. Even so, if we look at some basic economic indicators, there are huge key differences between those two neighboring nations. Their populations, about the same, but the DR has way more people with access to electricity. They consume roughly 10 times the amount of petroleum products that Haiti does, have almost 10 times the GDP per capita, and a fraction of the infant mortality and unemployment rate, along with a much higher literacy rate. Why is this? Well, I hypothesize that a lot of this has to do with their development of energy, really, and uh, electricity. In the 60s and 70s, the DR launched programs to harness hydroelectric power and import propane and other natural gases to spare their forests. You see, their neighbors, the Haitians, had a burgeoning agricultural economy for a while, but it all came at the cost of exhausting their soils and water. Most of the rainfall on the island actually comes in from the east, so the DR actually soaks up a lot of that available water. Today, Haiti does not have the same agricultural growth, and uh, the DR actually retained a lot of their trees since they've used other forms of electricity for heating and cooking, unlike the Haitians who continue to use wood about 4 million tons annually, to be exact. Things were going well for the DR until about the late 1990s, where unreliable infrastructure, blackouts, and corruption, thanks to a state-owned electric monopoly, began to hamper the electrical success. Things were starting to look bad. Thankfully, the country pulled a 180 and began to throw more money into bettering the quality of their electric grid. The early 2000s were a great success, and then in early 2008, the Dominican Corporation of State Electricity Companies, or CDEEE, pursued a project that would improve distribution efficiency between the state's three electric companies, reducing the number of blackouts in the region that they would typically experience. Where does that leave us today? Well, it's probably best if I show you. This is the Google Maps view of the island. Note the border right about here. 
Now, I can switch to Google Earth with a satellite view of what the island looks like at night. Notice how virtually all of the lights lie on the Dominican side of the border, and the only major lights on the Haitian side are at the capital of Port-au-Prince. Furthermore, let's look at a satellite image during the daytime. If we zoom in on the border and follow it, you can see that there are a lot less green, heavily forested lands on the western side of the border in Haiti. Again, this goes back to their heating and cooking. Roughly one-third of Haitian wood is actually converted into charcoal for cooking, and a lot of cooking is still done within the home with very little ventilation. This leads to a good deal of indoor air pollution, which is the world's deadliest environmental problem, leading to 4 million deaths annually. If you took all the deaths in 2017 that were a result of HIV and AIDS, another leading cause of worldwide fatalities, it only totals to about 950,000, or less than a quarter of what indoor air pollution is responsible for annually. In 2006, the DR generated 86% of their electricity from fossil fuels and 14% from hydroelectric sources because they do have a much more advanced and developed grid. Haiti, on the other hand, relies pretty heavily on diesel generators to power the home. That is, if you are wealthy enough to afford one. Otherwise, they burned biomass for lots of heating and cooking needs. I think this definitely plays into the life expectancy difference that is 20% greater in the DR. Let's also modernize this case even more by talking about vaccines. Hot topic right now. In Haiti, 20% of the electricity in 2006 was already used just for vaccines. By that, I mean power going to refrigerators to keep them cool. Unfortunately, power in Haiti is not nearly as reliable as it is in the DR, so this poses a challenge for healthcare in the region. Imagine having surgery done and then the lights go out, or you're storing a bunch of vaccines to fight off malaria and the power goes out and those vaccines go bad. It extends further than just economic growth. Now, I could go on and on about the many differences between these countries, but the list is far too long and we want to keep these segments relatively short and digestible. And also, I don't want to reach too far out of my domain of knowledge. Remember, there are plenty of correlations in this data, but a lot of what I mentioned are hypotheses. Sure, it seems like there's pretty strong indicators <laughs> between the two countries and uh, relationships between their economies and the power they have developed, but again, these are just hypotheses. So, what did we learn from this episode then? One way I'd like to frame it is that uh, there are many pros and cons to energy use, but sometimes the pros of abundant, cheap, and reliable energy outweigh the cons. Things like emissions, infant mortality rates, and environmentally related deaths. Second, it might seem counterintuitive based on a lot of the information we hear today, but sometimes the utilization of fossil fuels results in a more environmentally responsible lifestyle. Look at the increased greenification that we can see on the DR side of things. But please, don't take my word for it. I just want to stimulate your minds. Make sure to do your own research. A great place to start would be in the description of this video or on the website page where I have included links to all of the sources I use to put together this short project. If this topic doesn't interest you anymore, well, I've got news for you. You can still go to rarepetro.com to find plenty of other sources of information and topics that you can digest to better understand the world around us and how it uses energy. Again, I'm Tavis Killian, and this has been Hydrocarbon History with Rare Petro. And until we see you next time, take care, everybody.